Thank you. Have you ever lost sleep over your children or your grandchildren? Pacing back and forth in the middle of the night, thinking about some of the challenges they have, trying to get some answers in the middle of those challenges. I want to share with you a message entitled, For the Lives of Your Children. It's a prophetic cry for our youth. But it begins with this tension, this challenge, which you'll see. Next slide, please. Is uh, that, you know, our children's future occupies us and we've lost sleep over it. Today, I'm going to share with you seven steps to releasing our young generation into their future. This morning, we're going to take a look at a crucial time in Israel's history and apply it to today. Uh, if you've been that parent or that grandparent saying, there's got to be an answer, I'm going to share with you seven things that you can apply as we pursue those answers. Are you ready? Fantastic. You see, Jeremiah laments. He is lamenting over the state of his nation. His nation, blessed by God. Parents called by God to raise up their children in the way of the Lord. To tell them what they knew. To model and to declare that God is good. But over time, the this wonderful God zone, this place of great favor, had degenerated. And it was facing uh, a time of hardship and sorrow. They'd been blessed, favored, abundance and protection. Uh, but after years, it turned to idolatry. And the northern kingdom, Israel, had been taken by the Assyrians. And now the southern kingdom, Judah, was to be overtaken by the Babylonians to be cast into exile for 70 years. This was going to be a time of famine, suffering, death, destruction, and loss. A time where God would judge a nation that had turned its back on him. In Jeremiah eleven twenty two, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord of armies says, I'm about to punish them. The young men will die by the sword. Their sons and daughters will die by famine. In Jeremiah 14, 16, the weeping prophet says, the people they are prophesying to will be thrown into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There will be no one to bury them. They, their wives, their sons, their daughters, I will pour out their own evil on them. Jeremiah 16, 4 reads, they will die from deadly diseases. They'll not be mourned or buried, but will be like manure on the soil surface. They'll be finished off by sword and famine. Their corpses will become food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. The prophet is brokenhearted about what is to be released on the nation. In Jeremiah 52 verse 6, it says, By the ninth day of the month, the famine was so severe in the city that the common people had no Food. It's this case today that the common people miss out on the food while those of privilege still have their abundance. And then we come to our key passage in Lamentations 2.19. It reads, Arise, cry out in the night from the first watch of the night. 
Pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. Lift up your hands to Him for the lives of your children who are fainting from hunger at the head of every street. A stunning passage. A horrific passage. Let me read it to you again. Arise with knowing what's uh, happening. He says, arise. Again, the weeping prophet in his book, Lamentations, Tears. He says, arise. Cry out in the night. From the first watch of the night, pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. Lift up your hands to Him for the lives of your children who are fainting from hunger at the head of every street. When I read this passage, I thought, I live in a cul-de-sac, and I thought of the head of our street, thought of the children in our street, and imagined them fainting with hunger at the head of the street, lying on the ground, dying out of hunger. And, uh, you know, in the 60s, I was, uh, that's, I'm a 60s kid. Anybody a 60s kid here? Yes, and everybody else. Uh, younger than that. But anyway, so just about. Uh, I'm a 60s kid. And by the way, uh, it, it's wonderful to be here. I remember the first time I came to Blenheim, Elam, I was an itinerant evangelist. I just started as a young evangelist. And I had uh, found my way, on my way from Christchurch to Wellington. I was in my car. It was a Sunday. And I thought, I've got enough time to go to a church. I'd heard about Blenheim Elam. This was about 1983-1984. So I had time. I pulled in and uh, the service had already started. And I loved what was going on. The presence of God was there. The, the atmosphere was there. The place uh, was just so inspiring. And then the time for the offering came up. Man, did I want to give. I, I, you know, I just wanted to give. But all I had was the ticket to my ferry and uh, I had uh, and my car keys. And as the offering bag got closer and closer and closer to me, my desire to give increased and increased and increased. And I thought, well, I, I could take my belt off. I'll take my belt off and I'll put that in the offering bag. I, I, can't, I can't take my shirt off. That's not a good idea. But I can put my belt in the offering. That's as good as, I don't know, if I had a watch, it would have gone in. You know, you've been in that situation where you really want to give. And as the offering got so close to me, I was about to take my belt off. And the gentleman sitting beside me pulled out his envelope for his gift. And he had a second envelope. And he turned over and he gave me the envelope. And I could feel there was some money in it. And, uh, and I was so <laughs> grateful. Because then the bag came to him and he put the envelope in the bag and he passed the bag on to me. And uh, I was so thrilled that God had given me the opportunity to give. And I popped that gift into that bag and passed it on to the next person. And I was just so celebrating. I had the privilege of giving and so grateful for that gentleman who'd heard from God, didn't know who I was, came prepared and gave it to me. He, I, I could have gone. He may be thinking the guy needs it, whoever I'm giving it to, but 
Oh, that was a gift to me. And you know what? I wanted to tell him, but I looked at my watch. I looked at the clock. Should I say I didn't have a watch? I looked at the clock and I thought, I need to catch the ferry. I never got to tell him. And all that time I've thought of this church and of that moment. And uh, what a special moment that was. So I don't know if that gentleman's still around, but I just want to say back in 1984, you were listening well. Well done. You know, the Bible says, let him have ears, let him hear. We had a time in the 60s where 40% of our Kiwi kids were going to Sunday school. 40%. And the rest were exposed to the Bible and the story of Jesus through Bible and schools. Almost 100% of our children were reached. Today, the church is reaching at most 10% of our children. With schools of churches with no or little ministry to children. Doors have been closing to RE. Nine, nine out of our ten children are spiritually famished, starving, and without hope. They are dying at the head of every street. When I started uh, One Million Children, it was when I received this revelation of how desperate we were. And in the last four years, we've lost even more ground. COVID has ravaged the children's ministry here in New Zealand. More ministries have uh, withdrawn from their children's emphasis. But I want to say to you, well done, Blenheim Elam. You are fantastic. Uh, as much as you can, you've done what you could. You've stayed faithful to the task. And as the opportunities continue to rise, you will get back onto those children's ministry uh, runs and uh, momentum that you enjoyed pre-COVID. <laughs> Amos 8.11 says, Look, the days are coming, this is a declaration of the Lord God, when I will send a famine through the lands, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but hearing the words of the Lord. There is indeed a great famine in the land. So, again, looking at this passage in Lamentations 2.19, let me just break it down and apply to, to us seven things that we can do to help address not only the ministry uh, of reaching our New Zealand children, but impacting our own children and grandchildren. First point is arise. You know, we can engage. We, don't just, uh, we aren't just are powerless to do anything about what's going on. God wants us to rise up to the challenge, to be aware of what's going on. You see, the prophet Jeremiah, he's weeping out a prophecy and a declaration to the people and say, don't just accept that as the norm. You can make a difference. Arise. Take your place. Arise. You know, uh, Tom and I enjoyed... Uh, uh, coffee in the Picton on Friday and uh, one of the things he asked me about one million children again what's our main emphasis and I said it's really simple actually to put children's ministry right up there as a key priority in New Zealand amen now I tell you how we got there uh, for 20 years I served New Zealand as an evangelist uh, back in the 80s and then the last 20 years, church planting and pastoring. And so I, in, in that 20-year period, I was also promoting all things evangelism, including the Hope Project. 
And I was traveling through New Zealand on the Hope Project, talking to church leaders. And I found myself a few years ago asking the question, how's your children's ministries going? And I got despairing report after despairing report. Churches that once enjoyed a ministry with 100 children or 70 children or 50 children or even had started their church with children's ministries, now with no children's ministry. It was all over the place. And as I traveled through the country, my eyes were opened and I felt God challenge me to do something about it. Now, in my early days, uh, in my 20s and 30s, someone said, as an evangelist, you traveled around the country. You were like a muscled stallion roaring around preaching the gospel. And then during my 40s and 50s, when I was church planting, someone explained me like a, a muscled oxen plowing up the ground and planting churches. Now I feel nothing like muscles or anything at all. I just feel tired. Anybody been there? <laughs> I just feel tired. But, you know, I just, when I saw and picked up and realized this vision, I realized God was challenging me to harness what time I had left to refocus and remobilize a new wave of emphasis and effectiveness in reaching and impacting our young generation. Mums and dads, you cannot underestimate the impact of your voice. Your children need you to rise up into their role. Praise God for children's workers. But the main influences in their lives are mums and dads. Your son and your daughter is waiting for you to really rise up into the calling that you have to pass on a viral faith into the lives of your sons and your daughters. Grandma and granddad, you do not realize how important a role you have. Your grandchildren need you to input. Mum and dad are so busy, so crazy, but you can come alongside and pour and share your love and your what you know. You can pray for them like everything depends. Come on, let's rise up into this thing that God has for, has for us. I was talking to a group of church leaders and, uh, and we were talking about they were planting churches and heading nations and it was an apostolic group of leaders. And then they turned to me and they said, what's God been speaking to you about, Tony? And this was in the early stages of getting a vision for one million children. And I, I started to share my heart. And as I did, it got very quiet. And then they started, while I kept on pouring my heart out, they started writing things on their cell phones and pull, putting their laptops up and the tablets and started typing. And when I finished, one of the pastors said, I started ministry as a 13-year-old, got tapped on the shoulder to become a Sunday school teacher. And, he, and this guy now, he impacts nations all around the world. He said, I have to confess to you, I've lost sight of my children. I had lost sight of our children. And here, uh, Jeremiah says, Rise to the challenge. Rise up to this challenge. And for those of you who have volunteered and be involved in children's ministry and youth ministry, I say, well done. Thank you for taking your place. Thank you for being involved. I remember being at a church recently and a pastor asked me to come and share a vision for children's ministry. The guy who was heading the ministry was a, a, a pastor who he was doing it because no one else was really doing it. But when I finished 
sharing my heart about it. And I called for people to arise and take their place for children's ministry. He came forward, tears streaming down his face as he was saying, God, deal with my heart and let me engage with this young generation to claim, claim them for you. And as he, when he finished wiping the tears away from his face, he turned around and looked there at the front, standing beside him with 15 people doing the same. And now he was no longer alone in his children's ministry. He had 12 children at that stage. When I went back to visit the next year, he had 60 children in his children's ministry. And they said, Tony, inspire us again. And, and what do you suggest? And I said, well, you have a space problem, a spatial problem. You, you're maxed out your space. So dream big. Now, they were already having events they were almost as good as yours, hitting the hundreds of people, children that were loving it. And so, uh, but you know, I said, you have to rethink how you go about it. And the next year they grew even still. And then COVID, COVID hit. It's amazing how many things get blamed on COVID. <laughs> it's done a lot, isn't it? And, uh, and uh, anyway, I was talking to the pastor only the other day, and he said, oh, I've just lost, I, I'm, I'm just weeping. We've lost so much momentum. I think better that than not caring at all. Arise. Let's feel for this. Then it says, cry out. Oh, we cannot underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. When we cry out, the Bible, C.H. Spurgeon, should I say, said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. When you and I cry out, God leans into our prayer and is ready to move. When we speak out those things that are on God's heart, He has room to move. He is ready for us to engage. He says, you have not because you ask not. Ask that you might receive that your joy may be full. I was so excited when I went to that particular church that pre-COVID was roaring because they would pack their place out at times with special children's events and they were joyful. You see, they had not only risen up to the challenge, but they'd cried out to God for strategies and ideas. They prayed. Oh, mums and dads, please pray. I remember a pastor saying to me concerning spiritual sons. He said, prophecy will not change them. He said, preaching at them will not change them. He said, praying for them will change them. Even with their own sons and grandchildren. We can preach all we want. We can prophesy all we want. But our prayers release something that would not happen otherwise. Mums and dads cry out. It says, cry out in the night. It appears that it's night already. It appears that there's a, we're coming to a season of darkness concerning children's ministry. But oh, <laughs> in the dark time, the light shines brighter. When some people are pulling away, others are drawn to the light. And so even when it appears to be your time of night, I encourage you to gain, engage. You know, I find uh, there is a growing number of seniors who are returning back into children's ministry. I think that's fantastic. Grandma and granddad, well done. I remember someone on the mission field saying, hey, 
come and work with us in the Philippines. And he was speaking to older people. And, he, and, his, and, his, and his pitch was, do you realize it's cheaper to die in the Philippines? <laughs> well, I want to tell you. <laughs> I want to tell you. Come on. <laughs> it's let, use your final years to count. It's not just a case of waiting. You can make a difference. My mum, who got saved later in life. What a miracle that was, another story. She said, one day she's sitting at church, she wanted to know what she could do. She finally decides, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, volunteer to pick up children for Sunday school. She, and so she's a businesswoman. She had a Audi convertible sports car, a little convertible thing. And uh, so anyway, so she went and said, hey, let me pick up the children for Sunday school. And she would arrive up and beep, beep, and the kids would come up for their ride and there's this convertible car ready to pick them up. Mum couldn't teach in Sunday school, but she could bring children to church. She could do that. No doubt there are rooms to be set up and rooms to be broken down. Maybe refreshment at times on the special events. Children to be picked up or dropped off. Even sponsors for different things. You can play a role. My mum's successful businesswoman, apart from picking children up for church, she could cut checks that the pastor was so pleased about. <laughs> you know, I've got to tell you, there are so many ways we can be involved. But it's not too late to shine in the dark. It says, cry in the dark from the first watch of the night. We'll move on. It says, pour out your hearts. We must begin to feel for this. Again, that pastor's gathering of apostolic leaders I was talking to. That first pastor who said, I've lost sight of my children, was followed by a second and a third and a fourth. And uh, I was so pleased that I poured out my heart on this and it revealed something. For those of you who carry a heart for children's ministry, be unashamed. Invite all you can to be part of your team. Share your passion loud and long and call others to be involved in it. And if you want to be involved in something that transforms a whole life, you know, I love, I love children's ministry, you know, because when you lead children to Jesus Christ, you claim whole lives for the kingdom of God. Whole lives. And it says, lift up your hands. We have to be involved. We have to be engaged. And again, this church knows all about lifting up your hands. You've got big skin in the game concerning children's ministry and youth ministry. And I just say, keep on lifting up your hands. Keep on playing that part. If they need volunteers, lift up your hand and be there. Be engaged where you can. Transform young lives. And then it says, Look at the hungry. He says, they're dying at the end of every street. Jesus said this, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to them. D.L. Moody said, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. And George Barner, researcher said, in the race to the child's heart, the first one to get there wins. The quicker we get to the heart of our children, we win. But whoever gets there before us, they win. You know, you have a wonderful school here and many children that you reach out to and minister to. I just want to encourage you. 
Think about what you can do to reach out, to win more, to impact more. So there's seven things I want you to consider. Um, Could you go to the next slide, please? And uh, that's right. Keep on scrolling through to the end, I think. Next one. There we go. For the sake of our children, let's rise up. Let's engage. Let's take on the challenge. Let's hear the cry of our children dying at the head of every street. What about your street? Could you pre-walk your street? Could you consider putting on a street party? Could you do something to impact the young lives even in your street? Could you invite them? Have room in your car for another child. Uh, be my mum for a, for a Sunday. Uh, let's cry out. Let's be involved in the prayer focus. Despite the challenges, let's move forward starting now. It may not be, it's not too late. Feel the need in our country. Uh, I'm wondering who's winning with the hearts of our children at the moment. Get engaged and let's reach out to our lost. Amen. Listen, I think you guys are absolutely fantastic. It's been a privilege for me to share with you. For those of you watching online, please reach out to the children in your life. Think of ways that you can impact them. Think of ways that you can draw them to Christ. Think of ways that you can bring them to church, invite them along, sit down and, 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 and pray, what can I do? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every single mum and dad in this room. I thank you for every grandparent in this room. And now, Father, I ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would challenge us to rise up with fresh passion concerning this young generation. Father, we want to be the first to get their hearts. We want to be the first to get their hearts. We see, Lord, in our streets, young lives of spiritually famished young people without you. So right now, we say, here we are. We will arise. We will rise up. And now, just in this place of prayer, can I ask you, will you join me? You might be old, getting on, or young, a young parent or grandparent, but I'm asking you, would you just simply say, Lord, use me. However way you want, I'll go. I will be involved in reaching this generation. It might be in prayer, just amping it up in the prayer level. It might be through giving. It might be through serving. It might be through uh, transporting. It might be through putting on a street party. I don't know, but God, Lord, I don't want, in my street, I don't want young lives perishing because they don't know you. And I just want to invite you. Would you, would you if God's speaking to you, if God's challenging you this morning, would you rise? Would you just stand where you are and join me as I'm committing myself to play my part, to be involved? Grandmas, granddads, mums and dads, would you arise and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, use me. For my son, for my daughter, I will not lose heart. I will cry out and I will claim their heart for you. 
in Jesus' name. Father, you see the people standing here in this room. And we're saying, Lord God, we, will, we want to get their hearts first. We want to get their hearts first before someone else or something else gets their heart. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Not only for Blenheim, but here we are for our streets. And here we are for our family, our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren. Here we are. We come to you now. We thank you for them. Holy Spirit, in this moment where we are standing in this vulnerable place of surrender, I ask that you would see our hearts and you would begin to guide direct, inspire, and encourage in Jesus' name.